Hi, I'm Tim Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. For those of you who followed us and listened to us over the years, you know that my co-host Daniel Chacon and I love stories and that we're open to stories from all walks of life and in all forms of mediums. We've had performers, musicians, actors, and poets, and all sorts of storytellers here. And today I'm really excited about our special guest. She's a talented filmmaker and artist, uh, also an organizer, and just an all-around frontera badass. And her name is Jackie Barragan. And today we'll be speaking with her about her short film, Josie, which is a powerful story about her mother. It's a documentary. Jackie is a multidisciplinary border artist, community advocate, and practitioner of her indigenous healing traditions. She's graduated from UTEP with a bachelor's degree in anthropology and a minor in dance. She's also focused her studies on grassroots activism and studied extensively with Zapatistas in Mexico. In 2020, she made her short film documentary, Josie. It's a film uh, about her mother, and it's screened in a variety of film festivals around the country. It's also probably more appropriately uh, a film about resilience, compassion, and survival, the will to survive. Jackie's also part of the Fem Frontera Collective. It's an organization of Latinx female-identifying filmmakers based out of the border. Its purpose is to create more opportunities for Latinx, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, non-binary, and queer filmmakers to take back the narrative of underrepresented communities. Words on a wire. Jackie, welcome to Words on a Wire. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. And like I was telling you, it's um, you know when I when I first became aware of your work, it was through the Femme Frontera Film Showcase, and um, and then seeing your film Josie, which I really want to get into, and we will get into at more depth. But before we do, uh, I first want to just ask, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you. I'm doing good. Um, just work, you know, staying focused on projects and this, these last, this last year was incredible. It really, my life kind of changed by being a part of the Femme Frontera Film, Filmmaker Showcase. And um, I'm just, I'm grateful to be able to um, work on things that I believe in, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. I hear that. Has that sort of has that sort of helped you through the, I would imagine it's helped you through not only the pandemic, but through life probably in general, right? But, but particularly through the pandemic. Yeah, it was really kind of good timing when, um, when I started working on my first film because it was right when the pandemic hit and it was a great excuse to just focus and not get distracted by, you know, the usual, um, the usual things that tug at me like family and work. And, yeah. and I, I was able to just, you know, to focus on this project and it really, really helped. It was helpful. It was good timing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, you know, you have, you know, it seems to me uh, you have your hands in a lot of projects because you're, you're just one of these all around artists, you know, you, you, you're a filmmaker, a painter, dancer, all these things. So, you know, um, so have you been utilizing all aspects or has there been one that's kind of been more dominantly, like obviously this film, but you know, one that's sort of more dominantly helped you, so um, dancing was always my first art form. Um, and, and I think it kind of, it really just opened my world to all, all sorts of art because, um, you know, it's in filmmaking, there has to be choreography, there has to be a story, you have to pay attention to the music and blocking and, you know, visuals. And, 
and dancing kind of, I used to choreograph a, a lot back in the day and that, that helped a lot. Um, but surprisingly, I, I never really called myself an artist until recently until really, it, yeah, it was like, I always had the kind of imposter syndrome and, yeah. um, it wasn't until I made this film and, and that I, that I started to, to really like allow myself to uh, use that, that type of identity or to identify with that as an artist. Um, but as a, you know, as a kid, I feel like um, that's part of the work is to not forget what inspired you as a kid. And as a kid, I was always reading, writing, painting, listening to music, dancing. And I even made my first like little uh, student film when I was in middle school um, in, wow, a, in, a, in, yeah, in a humanities class. And I was just thinking about that yesterday, actually. It was, wow. I, it was so dramatic. The name of it was a uh, desperate liaisons <laughs> wow, like and I'm like someone's got to have that film somewhere I want to see it <laughs> oh you don't yeah. have a copy of it I don't know no I don't wow uh, it was so long ago but yeah so yeah now um now I'm uh, you know allowing myself to call to be called an, an artist and like a lot yeah <laughs> sort of owning that owning, owning that it yourself mm -hmm. yeah exactly that's, that's there's so much power in in suddenly becoming intentional like that right um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we hesitate, and I'm just speaking generally, you know, I think we hesitate to refer to ourselves in these ways, probably, well, for a lot of reasons, but sometimes it's just out of like the respect we have for artists who are doing that. And we just kind of, I mean, this is, I think maybe I'm kind of projecting now, obviously, but, you know, it's like before I ever called myself a muralist, it was like, well, there are people who actually are doing that 24 seven. And I have so much respect for that. I wouldn't do that. But but then, you know, there's also like what you mentioned, there's this playfulness to it too. There's this side of us that we all have inherent in us and it's okay to own that, you know, it, it's it's healing to own that in some way. It's rewarding to own that, you know? Exactly. I think humans are versatile and sure. um, that's, it's part of our nature to explore. Um, and I think I struggled, you know, because we have to, you know, there's, there's this kind of pressure from society to choose one thing and stick to it. Right, right. And I, my spirit, it doesn't adapt to that. It doesn't conform to that. And I've, I've kind of always been head to head with, but I also want to, you know, make my family proud and be like, look, I've been dedicated to this particular career for all my life, but that's just not how I work. And I, I really think that's not how a lot of people work. They just have that pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We just are pressured early on to fall mm -hmm. into one line or the other, you know, and it's, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's unfortunate, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, um, and then for those of us who are able to, who have the mentorship or even the support, whether it's, even if it's just one family member, sometimes we have the support of our one friend to who's like, yeah, do it. You're good at all of those. Just do it. Like, you know, why not? Um, that means it's such a huge difference, makes such a huge difference in our lives. You know, I agree. I always say that this first film, I don't think I would have been able to do it anywhere else in any other city because I had, mm. um, community here that was encouraging me you know and was like look you got a really good story like give it a shot yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's an incredible story it really <laughs> is and i'm kind of holding that like teasing the listeners out there because I, we're <laughs> going to talk about that but it's really okay. an incredible story um but first i want to ask you about the femme frontera uh film collective uh tell me a little bit about how that got started why it exists yeah so uh, six years ago um 
a good friend of mine um, moved back from San Francisco. She had just finished studying uh, film in San Francisco mm -hmm. and she moved back home with her husband and decided to settle here. And she wanted to create a space for female filmmakers. Right. And so, you know, she started reaching out to other filmmakers from the border and they put on their, their first showcase. It was a curated program, all female uh, filmmakers. And, um, and then she thought it was gonna be a one-time thing, but it ended up catching on. And she, she just went for, you know, they, they organized and um, created a board and got funding and started to offer this showcase every year. And um, it's a really beautiful intention because I'm sure you know, like many industries, the film industries um, dominated by, you know, by, me by men. And there's, I think the percentage is like 2% of females in the film industry. Right, right. And so, yeah, which is very, very small amount of women who are telling their stories. And yeah. um, so it really blossomed and, um, you know, they're, they provide grants and workshops and classes and um and and then you know after you know making this first film and, and showcasing with them i ended up getting a position working with them so i'm i'm now a part of the team which is a beautiful wow. blessing yeah wow. I, yeah mm -hmm. that's so great that's so Super. great how they just, things just open up once you once you set the intention things just open up you know exactly exactly awesome. yeah so um about so how long then has the collective been in existence now maybe it's in six years. So we're, we just released our sixth showcase in November. Every November, um, we go through this long, this is the first year I was able to be a part of the process of mm -hmm. choosing. We had like 113 submissions wow. from, from around the world. So, so it's very, yeah, it's very difficult. There's four, four of us that, you know, had to like hone it down to us to a small um, amount. And then between all four of us, we, we chose the next lineup and that one was released in November. And now, uh, you know, we're touring it. We're going to start touring right. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the one that I was able to see. That, no, that one was the last one actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, you, what you saw at the El Paso Museum of History was the fifth showcase. Okay. And then the sixth one was just released in November. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So when's the next one? The next one won't be till next November. Oh, so okay. in so in, in another year. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So you still you still can see the the sixth showcase, which you haven't, and that one's going to be touring for a year. Oh, for okay, a year. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there'll be some other places um, locally here along the frontera that'll show that. Yes, and it's an incredible lineup. We have filmmakers from Pakistan and India wow. and from Oaxaca, Mexico. We have two from the border that are nice. just so touching to see our border reflected in the way that these films are. Wow. Mm -hmm. So who, um, just in your humble opinion, who are some El Paso-based filmmakers that we should keep our eyes and ears open for? Yeah, um, so we have uh, Laura Bustios, who is from Juarez, and she's a part of the Femme Frontera team, oh, and yeah. she, but she's currently living in New York, um, yeah. but she's a filmmaker. Um, mm -hmm. She's awesome. And then um, we have Sarai, I want to say her last name is Garibay, but she just, um, she's a part of the, the newest showcase. It's a really cool film. Um, and it's about musicians that are activists on the border, female rappers, and they're bringing, they're highlighting the, the, the femicides that have been in the women that have been missing in Juarez. Right. Um, and then we have, 
um, Hasneen Harvey. She's she actually lives in Albuquerque. So, but we still consider kind of that's like this the southwest region. Uh huh. Yeah, um, myself. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just tuning in and you're listening to Words on a Wire, we're speaking with El Paso-based filmmaker, artist, organizer, Jackie Barragan about her film, Josie, and all the wonderful projects she's got going on, talking about the, also talking about the uh, Femme uh, Frontera Collective and the film showcase that, that she organizes and she's now a part of. Um, I want to shift directions to talk about your film, Josie. Um, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and describe it. I'd rather you. I'd rather the listeners hear it from you. What is the film about? So it's a it's a documentary about um, a story of my mother and actually her sister, which is my tia, my madrina, um, and them growing up in a small town um, uh, and a terrible incident that happened uh, with a. They shared a common abuser, a common rape, rapist. Right. And, um, and my mom actually, you know, utilized the rage from, not, from, from witnessing a lack of justice. You know, nothing happened to this man. Um, she utilized that rage to, to fuel her to learn martial arts in Ciudad Juarez yeah. um, at, a, at a gym called Gimnasio Oriental. And she, she just excelled, you know, she, she excelled through these belts and started competing and right. um, she competed all over Mexico and, and this area the the border and ended up getting a black belt in Hapkido. And then she retired um, when she got pregnant with my brother, she retired undefeated. So it's just about her. Yeah. <laughs> I know the whole time I was watching it, I just kept saying, and that was, I don't know if I said it out loud or in my head, but I just kept saying, wow, wow. Like it was Aww. just like one revelation after another of her resilience, you know, her, her compassion. There was so much compassion in, in what she's doing also in the way she approached you know, this, the abuser, and then what happened in her life afterward, there was a lot of compassion there, but so much um, resilience that was displayed in that. And I just kept, and then so much triumph, even through some of these challenges, because, you know, she had the situation with this abuser, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. But then, then like, it just kind of followed her over time as well. And yet, every time she was faced with it, it was like she met it with, compassion and resilience those are the two words that keep coming back and i um yeah i just found myself gasping every few minutes going what whoa this is this is it just was like deeper and deeper emotionally um yeah it was such a great story um it is a great story because your mother is obviously still with us and she's just she's still like kicking ass (laughs) so (laughs) she is yeah she is she's Um, incredible an incredible woman I would love to do like a whole feature film on her and her story and and her her mother and you know her mother was um, was an immigrant from Mexico and had to leave her abusive husband my grandpa um, which is kind of you know a a very common story of their time and and I knew that it you know people could identify with it and sure enough when I started to to show it um, in public you know I'd always get someone coming up to me and saying oh like I, I that happened to me or that happened to my mom or you know there it's just a, a an unfortunately common story and and she's kind of a heroine you know for for our for our, our community 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, she absolutely is. Um, and then, it, then it, the film is also so humorous. Like I, I that was surprise. That was a surprise yeah. to me because right out the <laughs> gate when the film opens up, it's a pretty heavy film and you, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's dramatic and you're kind of, you're feeling for, for the situation. Um, but so it was unexpected that these moments of really light, so much light came through and it was, hum- you know, and it was really all around your mom. Um, I, I don't want, I hesitate to call her the character, the central character, but uh-huh. it's mom who makes it humorous. Thank you, you know? for that. That I, I, I wondered if that would translate because I really wanted to capture her personality and she's a very funny, sassy woman you know and um and and so I was wondering you know if it would translate to the audience in some audiences they don't get it they think it's supposed to stay serious the whole time but I I you know that's part of her medicine that's part of her powers that she maintains this sense of humor she had a stroke a couple years ago about uh, 12 years ago and survived that Mm -hmm. but um one of the things that I just like couldn't I couldn't handle was seeing her you know, in the hospital, but laughing, she was laughing. She was literally there when it first happened, they asked her to write her name down and she couldn't because she lost that part of her brain where she couldn't write or speak. And, and she's trying to write. And all of a sudden she starts to just burst out laughing at her laughing at herself. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like she's, it's just, she's, she's amazing. Like she, she uses humor to kind of get through things too. So I'm thank you for bringing that up. Cause a lot of uh, a lot. I think some people feel like it's such a touchy subject that they're not supposed to laugh. But yeah, she's a funny woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm one of those people who like, you know, I, I, I actually enjoy watching. I go to the movie theaters by myself and watch films because I because I'm so I react so loudly, you know, like, I mean, I'll laugh really loud or I will be like, what? Like, you know, so <laughs> I'm a loud person in the theater. So I just don't take people with me anymore. You know? I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Um, and I felt like, yeah, I think at one point I laughed out loud when I was watching and I kind of, and then I did, I noticed the contrast between everybody else not laughing. And I just kind of was like, Oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to laugh. Yeah, your mom's humor comes through yeah. her own sense of levity, her own mm-hmm. way to way to approach, you know, some of the harshness of life, you know? Exactly. Yeah. To this day, she she can be very serious, but she she's always gonna she always has a sense of humor. So that's great. <laughs> and she's still she's still training. Um, she she's a personal trainer, and um, three times a week I go with her to the gym, and she trains me and another client. And on Fridays we do kickboxing. Wow. And so yeah, that's she ended great. up getting three other uh, two other black belt no three other black belts. So um, after she retired from competitions, she continued to study Taekwondo in Florida and Kempo um, and yeah, no, so yeah, Kempo and Taekwondo and Hapkido, three black belts. Wow, because mm-hmm. the situation, and, and take us through some of this if you don't mind, um, the situation is that, you know, she had this abuser and and she basically decided to protect herself. Like she was gonna, she's like, I'm gonna kill him. You know, she's like, I'm gonna go after this guy. And so she, that's, why, that's why she started to train, right? Yes, exactly. She, um, she, she had this mission that, and I really like, it's something that I think someone who has gone through something like that can really identify with. And, you know, it's a part of the film where I get a little like, oh, I hope people aren't going to place judgment, but that's part of, you know, releasing your art. She, she wanted to see justice being served. And since she couldn't rely on the system to do it she 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 wanted to see him suffer the way she suffered and the way she saw her her sister suffer from him you know yeah Yeah. and so 
And so that was what fueled her. Yeah, she wanted to, she literally, she, and, to, and it's, you would think that, you know, after time that, that feeling changes, but she still holds a lot of that anger towards him that he got away with what he got away with so easily, you right. know, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And you, you reveal that some of you talk a little bit about, or she talks about that in the film, you know, how he got away mm-hmm. and, and what, you know, and, and how you can, you can sense that, that that's, that's still in there, you know, um, it's unresolved, it's, mm-hmm. right. Unresolved. That's unresolved. Mm-hmm. And yet it continues to fuel her, I mean, going around getting black belts and winning awards still, you know, winning competitions. Still, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, these are all true stories. Her sensei saw something in her, saw this rage and, right. and she has more stories of where he, you know, he would tell her, you need to take this out on the mat. And he would have her fight like five guys at a time, like five, five of the men against you. And she would, she would, and they would at the end be like, stop Jack. Okay, Josie, stop. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Like she just was, she would go into this zone and, and take, you know, take it out on the mat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where yeah. it's legal. <laughs> Where it's legal. Exactly. Exactly. We can legally just, get away with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's something to that, you know, like these, um, I guess, um, ways to, to express whatever it is you're feeling. And I think I've, I've used art in that way, you know, um, it's, a, it's, it's therapeutic. It's um, like the way she martial arts is an art, and she was able to use that to to tap into all the unresolved emotions and the things that she she didn't know how to handle any other way. And back then, you don't go to therapy. You know, like right. you kind of keep you keep it to yourself. Still right. to this day, still to this day, a lot of survivors keep it to themselves. Definitely. But that was the way she was able to express those difficult emotions. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that you grew up with these stories or, you know, obviously with your mom, but growing up sort of knowing of this stories at some point in your life, you know, I don't know if she shared them with you since you were young or how young or what, but at what point did you finally, like, did the switch come on in your head and you were like, you know what, I need to tell this story. Like people need to hear this story beyond like my mom sharing it with me. People need to hear it. Like at what point did that happen for you? I think the first time she told me I was a teenager, Um, and all the stories she shared about, you know, going through racism and the struggle of my grandmother migrating with seven kids and, um, the poverty that she went through. And they were such influential stories. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a kid that took her experience for granted, you know, and, and I knew that these stories will die with her if it doesn't, if, if, you know, you're an, you studied oral history, right? That's how, that's how knowledge in in our history for so many generations, especially as indigenous people of the Americas, that's how, that's how we documented our history by telling them, you know? And, and so I think it influenced me at that, that early of an age. And it wasn't until maybe my twenties that I, um, I really started just, just picking at me like, um, it was a constant like Jackie you need to do this you need to do this and and I would I would uh I would I I, I thought that it would I didn't have it in me like I didn't think I had the capability to you know right to, to take up a new art form and so right. yeah it wasn't until later <laughs> till recently that when you know Femme Frontera really I really attribute a lot of it to to them and and mainly because they believed in my story and they believed, you know, you can be a first time filmmaker. You, right. 
it's not something you have to study for all your life. Like this is, right. and here's some opportunities to help you. You're st- you need to do this. Right. So yeah, that encouragement really helped. That's what I wanted to ask you was, had mm-hmm. you made any films prior to that? Because it was a well done film. You know, it was a really, I mean, I look at it from the, and I'm speaking from the perspective of story of narrative, like, you know, that narrative, the way it unraveled, um, you know, on camera, um, it's really done well, you know, it was compelling. It had, you know, the action there, like all these things it had res- this feeling of resolution towards the, all the things you want in a good story it had in that. And so, you know, storytelling is one thing, but then there's a technical aspect of film itself. You know, how did you, um, was this the first film you, you made and how did you navigate all that? So other than the, the, my, my gifted and talented humanities film when I was like 13, this, this is, this was my first film. And, um, I, every step of the way, I was very uh, stressed out about it, you know, um, especially cause it hit, you know, I've had to work on it right when COVID hit. And so I did, I, it was kind of sink or swim, you know, like the interview, the interview of my mother and my tia was at their house. Mm. And, um, I have some amazing friends that are in the film industry. Um, Steve Osborne with Tortilla Productions. He's also a professor, um, in Las Cruces, but he, him and Hazael, which is my producer, they showed up to the house. Here's the equipment gave me like a general, like 20 minute breakdown of how to use it. Okay. Later with, you know, with masks, they didn't put anyone in danger and it took off and I'm like okay here we go (laughs) so and yeah so it was I mean sink or swim um but I did have some really key help you know um I had another friend Frank Luna who works at PBS and he's also part of this artist organization called the Mm -hmm. church and I spent so many days, this is during COVID, like I was right. either here or in this, the studio with him. Right. Um, and he would, he would kind of guide me through editing because I was learning this new program, Premiere Pro. Right. Um, and then a lot of it too, you know, te- the technical stuff was when I, when I look at it, I now see like, man, I wish it was better, but sure. what mattered, and I'm glad you're picking that up, was the story. Like, yeah. is the story being told? The one where she's in the kitchen, that's another thing that was really um, challenging. The first time I tried to interview my mom at home, um, you know, I knew it was going to have to be an intimate setting because she's talking about very serious, you know, serious things, personal things. So I hooked her up to a mic. I set up a camera on the tripod. I made her a margarita, sat her down. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I started to ask, ask her questions and she just shut down. She broke down crying. She said, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And, and at that point I thought, I don't have a film if I, if she can't tell the story. And I mean, you know, I started re- reevaluating it. And one of the people from Femme Frontera, Laura Bustillos, she recommended that I narrate to help fill in the blanks. Mm, yeah. So that helped. And then I tried one more time. It was, um, a day where my we we're celebrating my niece's birthday and she was cooking and I was like well I'm just gonna put this microphone on you and just gonna put this camera right here but right. don't even think about it I just want to I'm just practicing you know <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> and and she starts cooking and that's when she really she's in her element she's feeling com- you know comfortable and that's that's you see a lot of those kitchen scenes because of that but 
the visual, the lighting, all that isn't that great, but at least I got her story, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that was really a powerful decision, I think, too, in the, in the whole, in the whole film, because, you know, where she's narrating for the most part, every time I think of the film, I remember it, I, I see her in the kitchen, you know, I see her, but really sort of, you know, I say that in a way that she's really in her element, you know, um, she feels she looks comfortable. She looks, it, it feels intimate. It feels like you're in the kitchen with her having a conversation, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, I think that you, that was really a successful move, you know, on that, on your part. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and some of the fancier stuff, like we did a, a video um, we'd filmed at her gym, the, the, the footage at the end where yeah. she, where it's him, her and I sparring, we're wrapping our hands. That's great. Yeah. Steve, great. Steve helped me with that. He had like a, yeah, he helped me with that part. <laughs> yeah. That was a nice way to end it. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Kind of shows now, you know, your involvement and where you, where you take off, you know? Um, Thank yeah. You. Um, so what, uh, what projects do you have coming up? So I am Next. working. Yeah. So I'm working um, on another documentary about the the shooting that happened on August 3rd mm. um, and mm -hmm. and how you know El Paso and Juarez came together but also just exploring you know what led up to it mm. also this you know I guess I'm there's a I guess there's a common theme between Josie and this one is this feeling of uh, a lack of justice you know and right. um, this idea of how do we move forward how can you ask a family member who lost someone in that way to heal and move forward? Um, right. Just, I don't know. And I, and I don't, I, it, the question can be asked, but I don't necessarily need an answer. I just want, um, I want to, I want to know how people are feeling, you know? Right. That's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's an important, that would be, that sounds like a really important, it is an important project, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's in the right hands. You know, it sounds like it's Thank in the right hands. You. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things, again, uh, you know, that, that really came through in your film, which was the sense of, of, of um, just sort of a real personal sense of, you know, the, the subject that you were talking about. In this case, obviously, it was your mom. Um, but throughout, you know, it never felt removed emotionally. It really, it really invited the viewer in to, like, you know, have a personal experience with Josie and her story, you know? So I imagine that's some of that will translate over to this next project and we all look forward to it, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible how time's, how time flies by, you know, we're at the end of our, of our interview, but um, if you're just tuning in, uh, you know, we've been talking <laughs> with Jackie Barragan about her um, film Josie and also about the Femme Frontera Collective and the film uh, film festival. Uh, and you can find their, they're on Instagram, social media, right, as well as are you. So, you know, folks can follow along there and contribute um, and come out and check out the movies that are coming up. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, you can follow Femme Frontera um, on Instagram and the web, they have a website, we have a Facebook. And then my Instagram is Iari, I-Y-A-R-I underscore art on Instagram. All right. Jackie, it's been great talking with you. You too, Tim. Thank you. All right. And that does it for us today. We'd like to thank our special guest, El Paso-based filmmaker, artist, and organizer, Jackie Barragan. Make sure you check out her film, Josie, and also follow the uh, work of the Femme Frontera Collective on Instagram as well. I'd like to thank our producer, Sam Casiano, and our podcast producers, Claudia Flores and Ileana Pichardo. 
That wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on KTEP 88.5 FM, your NPR station for the Southwest. Southwest.